Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Community first, we're going to move into discipleship. And what does discipleship look like? Uh, but most of that work will take place at your tables and having discussions with one another. So in a minute, I'm going to just kind of teach briefly before we jump into the scriptures. Um, and But hopefully you, you will have time to meet each other, uh, learn each other's names, and then um, start to, to ask those questions. What, is, what does community mean? But here's the kicker. This, yeah, this is, where it, this is where it changes. This is where it makes a difference that we are um, a faith-based community that believes in, in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I love every answer that you're going to give as to what you think community means. But what we're really after is what does the Word of God say community means. So in every topic we're going to talk about, we can say, hey, this means this to me, and that means that to, to you, and that all sounds great. And that might align with what the Word of God says, and it may not. But what we're after is digging down into what does God mean when, when God talks about community in His Word? What does God mean when He talks about discipleship in His Word? So we're going to use the Scriptures as our foundation to build off of. It doesn't mean you don't share your own experiences because you have to share your own experiences. And I want to give you an illustration. So I just want to do some brief teaching on how we understand the Scripture better as a, as a healthy community. How do we go into the text? And so Bridget's, or Lauren's going to bring up the slide of this tricycle for me to start off with. Okay, so here's a tricycle. Okay. Um, one of my favorite authors, Richard Rohr, who's a Catholic priest, uses this illustration. I think it's a brilliant illustration to help understand how we look at the text. So essentially what he says is there's three core elements to reading the Scriptures. Okay. Um, the first one he would say is our experience. You cannot read the Scriptures outside of your own personal experience. It is not possible. As much as you think you don't read your experience into the text, we all do it. I do it myself. Okay? You can't, literally, you can't read the Scriptures without reading your experience into the Scriptures. So it's not a bad thing. It's just something we need to be aware of. Are you with me? Okay. The second thing is itself the Word of God. Okay. That's another wheel that drives us moving forward. Experience is usually the front wheel because everything flows from that point. I would love for the Word of God to be the, the main thing that everything flows from for me. But that's just not the reality. So if, you, if you've gotten to that transcendent, enlightened place, you let me know, and I will learn more from you. But for the most part, most of us drive our lives with our own experiences. So the Word of God, and then the final wheel that turns everything is tradition. Okay? Now you might say, not me, I don't have tradition. And for Rohr, who's a Catholic priest, tradition means a much different thing. However, we have lots of tradition. We're sitting in a church building. That's tradition. We sing songs. That's tradition. We open God's Word and read from the Scriptures. That's part of tradition. So tradition really dictates a lot of what we do. We just don't call it tradition. 
Let me give you some examples. Moving forward in, in slide, let's see if I can control this myself. Dun, dun, dun. No, one more time. There we go. Oh, okay. This is the kind of tricycle I would prefer to ride in if I was going to have a three-wheeler and the, and the Word of God could be my main wheel that drives everything in the back and then experience and tradition could be up front. But that's usually not how it goes. Okay, next slide. When we talk about tradition, let me give you some cultural ways that we view things. I want to show you a picture. I want you to tell me what your reaction is. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, so obviously there's a cultural reaction to that. When I see this image, I think people who have great faith <laughs> is what I think of. If you're a Browns fan, then you have faith beyond faith to keep rooting for that team. And every once in a while, you get this glimmer of hope, and you get really excited, and then reality sets in, and wah, 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 okay? Uh, next picture. Okay, so there's another. So each of you has a reaction to this. Some, you don't care. Others are very passionate about this. Others are very negative or passionate in a different way about this. Um, I also think these are overly optimistic people who root for this team because usually at the end they're disappointed. Just saying. It's, it's been a while. Okay, last picture. <laughs> okay, so here's California. Oftentimes, I, so I had a meeting last week with somebody. I was getting to know a leader in the community. And we were talking, and while we were just kind of getting to know each other, she, she said to me about her husband went on this um, trip with some others out to California, and they came back, and she's like, I, I could never go to that place. It's just messed up, da da da, da. And I was like, actually, that's where I'm from. <laughs> and she goes, oh, oh. So, again, we have these preconceived notions. Everybody from California surfs, smokes weed, is, an, is a liberal and some of those things are true. But not all of those things are true. But everything, I could go on with these images, and every image incites a reaction within each and every one of us. The same is true in God's Word when we go into the Scriptures. So let me give you some examples within God's Word of how we respond. And the reason I'm doing this teaching, just briefly, I'm not going to be up here very long, is you're about to dive into the text. And as you dive into the text, I want you to have an awareness that you bring things with you into the Scriptures. And if we don't think we do, then we are reading the scriptures from a naive perspective. Okay? Okay, here's the first example. Luke 14, 23. My wife shared this one with me. I was asking her for examples. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So this is a parable that he tells of, of the master who throws the banquet. And the people come to the banquet, right? Do you know one of the major justifications and negative things in Christianity that's come from this scripture passage? Anybody? Any historians in here? From just that word, compel them to come in. Just by taking that one phrase, go ahead and show the next slide, we get this. Our beloved crusades, in which the church goes out and basically says, convert or die, and if they didn't convert, they would kill them on the spot, especially when they're Muslims, when they're fighting against the Muslims in the, in the Holy Land. And literally, that's the justification for why they could do that. The Pope got behind it, different bishops got behind it, and that's what happened, okay? 
So you can see how easily we can misinterpret the text or manipulate the text to make it say what we want it to say. But that's not helpful. That's actually harmful. Okay, go on to the next. Here's one. If I show you this picture, what do you think? Some of you are like, Pastor Jimmy, I'll take the one on the left. If you're asking me to choose. Um, alcohol is, uh, is one of those topics in churches that is a, a hot-button thing, right? Like it or not. Not that hot of a button, but it depends on where you go. For some people, it's very crucial what you think and believe. I remember my grandmother was telling me she grew up, um, she was going to this Baptist church, and they were going to hire a, a, a new minister. That minister, they were excited about him and bringing him on board, and he checked all the boxes, and then he shared with them Sometimes, after mowing the lawn, I like to have a cold beer. And they're like, well, I'm sorry, you can't work here then. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. So let me show you some scriptures about alcohol. Well, this is the one we commonly look at from, from Ephesians. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Actually, the, the Greek says, get drunk with the Spirit. Okay? Second part, we won't really obey. The first part, we're all about. Stay away from that. Okay, but let me show you some other scripture passages about alcohol. John 2, Jesus is making a huge amount of wine. I mean, if you go back to that cultural context, he literally creates 90 gallons plus of wine. So I found this image that I think embodies that well. It looks like this. <laughs> so he's like, whites, reds, boom, I've got you handled. Okay? We don't like to talk about that part because we like to, to push alcohol down. Actually, Washington Church has a policy that there is no alcohol on the premises. And yet, if you go to the next verse, we see Jesus said, Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. It's not grape juice Jesus is drinking from. So literally, he's saying, It's okay to drink wine. And I made a bunch of it because I like to party. So that's, that's, again, we can, again, we read, we read our tradition, we read our experience into the scriptures, and usually we find what we're looking for. But that's not the healthy way to read the text. Go ahead and go forward. Okay, so with that in mind, what I want to do is I want to talk about filters, because that's what we bring to the table. I'm going to show you a picture of a filter. This is what one looks like. Tell me, what does a filter do? If you've done premarital counseling with me, you should be answering lots of questions. It filters out the bad. Not necessarily filters out the bad, but what is a filter? Well, let's start with this. What are some examples of filters in our culture and society? Coffee filter. Okay, what else? Snapchat, Instagram. Oh, that's, we're going in a direction I was not uh, anticipating tonight. Let, let, oh, I see. Okay. You doctor up your pictures to make you look better. Oh, okay. We just, we just went down a deeper level here. And, uh, yeah, you're talking to somebody who didn't grow up with those things or doesn't use technology very well. What, what else? What are other common examples of filters in everyday life? Search engines, Brita filter, so water. What else? Air, oil. Yeah, if you drove here in a car, you most likely experienced maybe close to a dozen filtering systems that run your car. From the air to the oil uh, to the fuel or the gas, 
All those things are keeping your car running. So essentially, what does a filter do? It separates. It'll, it, it's programmed to allow certain things to pass through, and it holds other things back. Very good. Now, here's the kicker. As we have to challenge ourselves a bit, what are filters that you have in your life that you bring into your reading of the Scriptures? You said time? Okay. You mean like how old you are or what time it is in the day? What do you mean? Well, how much time you spend? Okay. Time. Somebody said age. What else? Experience. Now, that could be a, somebody was listening when I first started talking. Translation. Okay. What else? Yes. Very good. That's huge. Our gender plays a huge role in how we read the scriptures. But we don't know that because I don't read it as a female. And so how do I know unless somebody else tells me about that? Okay, one of the great arguments for marriage in clergy. Just throwing that out there. What's that? Personal bias, okay. What else? Yes, economic status. Okay, somebody said worldview. Yes, culture. You, so what did you say? Belief systems, yeah. Directly connected to your experience. Oh, yeah, what if I wrote blue or red up here? Okay, our politics. I was reading this great article that one of my elders sent me um, this week. It's fabulous, really challenging. And one of the things that the article was talking about is the negative influence of politics in the church. Yeesh. And one of the things that they were saying is, back in the day, whenever that was, that your faith informed your politics, not your politics informed your faith. And I think we, we can all learn from that. Good. What else? Family, yeah. Family background. Okay. Where have you been in the world? Absolutely. Yeah. If, you, if you've gone on a mission trip, you're way more likely to support and encourage missions. Because it's changed you in some way. And you see it differently. But if you haven't, you're like, that sounds like a great idea, but your heart is in a different place if you've physically been there. Good. What else? Race. Good. Yeah. Yep. Good. What else? You guys are good. This is a good list. What's that? Okay. Your occupation, your job. Yep. What's that? Your education, yep. Okay. Okay, family, parents. Yeah. So you begin to see how many different things affect, and this is just a fraction. Like if we spent more time on this, I'm sure we could get to 100. So all of those things are true for all of us in some form or fashion. Now, those become the filters through which we read everything, and something comes out the bottom that's not necessarily exactly what's being said in the text. Does that make sense? Okay, and I wanted, I wanted to drive home that point for us before we dive into groups and spend time reading the scriptures, because this should cause us to come at the text with a greater humility 
and maybe more of a quiet spirit of saying, Lord, you show me. I'm bringing all this baggage with me, but I need you to show me what you want me to see. And then when something comes forward, don't just run out and say, well, I have got it. Behold, thus saith the Lord. Sometimes we run it through people we trust and we say, man, I feel like the Lord's pressed this upon my heart and and enabled me to see the scriptures in this way. What do you think? And if it is true, then it will be true. But if it might need a little bit more work, then it might need a little bit more work. And how many of you had the experience where you read a scripture passage and then all of a sudden, five years later, like you see it differently than you did before? That's the beauty and the grace of God. Right? God shows it to us and then deepens us in it because we're never at the end. The Word of God has no end. Okay, We keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. I, I can't even tell you how many commentaries are out there. I remember having a conversation with a college student once that came to me, and, and I had preached uh, a message, and, and he, he hadn't heard kind of that perspective of the message before, and he was like, I'm not sure about this. And he's like, well, the commentary that I read says it this way. And I was like, yeah, I read that commentary. But what, is, what, is the, what do these other three commentaries say? He's like, I don't know. I've never read them. He's like, maybe you should try. And the invitation is there for all of us to learn more. So there, I wish there was. Literally, I said to him, if you find the one commentary that rules all commentaries, please let me know. I will buy it. And I will buy extra copies and give them away to people. But that doesn't exist. Or I haven't found it yet. Or it is the Spirit of God that directs us. Okay, next slide. Okay, some things I want to share with you guys. One, everyone looks at the world through their own lens. So we just talked about that. That's an important thing to do and to to realize as we dig into the text. We talked about filters. We need to get in touch with our worldview. It'd be good for, it'd be a great exercise to go home and actually write down, how do you see the world? How do I understand life? Okay? So there's three core questions that we all need to wrestle with. Number one, how do we view ourselves? Number two, how do we view God? And number three, how we view others? And those are really core aspects of, that we should take into the Scriptures when we're wrestling with things. And those, should, those might change over time. And guess what? Change is okay. I, it frustrates me when you hear about complaints that, that people make with politicians, like this politician changed his mind. I was like, thank God that that's possible. And it's okay to change. As we grow, we should see things differently. I don't see, the, the, I don't see and understand God, myself, or others the same way I did when I was in my 20s. I look back at that person and I think, good try. You're on your way. Keep going. There's so much more. Right? So those three core things. But when it comes to the gospel, unless the gospel touches us at a deeper place within ourselves, then nothing substantial is going to change. Right? We can read the text all we want. Unless it affects us and digs deep into our hearts and, and transforms the way we live out our lives, is anything really changing? But that's what the Word of God should do. It should change us in a, in a deep way. So within those things... How we view ourselves. Okay, one way of looking at that, I'm a sinner. Another way of looking at that, I'm made in God's image and proclaimed good. How we view God. We talked about this on Sunday. What is God like? God is judge. God is police officer. Or God is love. How we view the world or humanity. Humanity is broken and lost. Humanity is the very image of God. 
And then with all of that, you have this beautiful word called a paradox. And you come to see that all of these things are true. And all of these things coexist at the same time. How can that be possible? That's what a paradox is. Look at the life of Jesus, fully man and fully God. That's a paradox, but it's also true. So we learn to hold these things. As we grow in our understanding of the text, we begin to realize that some of this is mystery and not all of this is black and white. And so as we take that mentality into the scriptures and we study the best we can, we have to also hold that lightly. So Christ is the one who renames reality for us. Okay? I said this on Sunday, if you want to look at perfect theology, look at Jesus. But then Jesus goes and says things like, blessed are the poor. I don't know too many people that have entered into voluntary poverty, despite what Jesus has said. Do we take that literally? Do we take that metaphorically? Or he says another thing like, cut out your right eye if it causes you to sin. If I look around the room, I see everyone with two eyeballs, which is a great gift of God. But are we not being obedient to the word of God because we haven't gouged out our eyes because it's better to enter into heaven with one eye than as a, to, to be as a sinner? And then John 6, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will have eternal life. And then the text says, and a bunch of people left because that's a hard teaching. Your operative worldview is not largely the product of rational or deliberate choice. Most of our worldviews are brought into our lives or put on us. A lot of it is formed when we are children, a lot of how we see and understand the world. That's why childhood is such a crucial time. That's why kids are so important for us here at Washington Church. We absorb it from our parents. That first 10 years is crucial from our education, our influence from other people. Okay, People with distorted worldviews are largely incapable of experiencing what is really real in the world. Now, that's just everybody besides you all, because you all came here tonight, so I'm sure you have a clear and perfect perspective of the world. But again, we have to realize that. It's been tainted in some way. We see it in that way. Most of us do not see things as they are. We see things as we are. That's just the reality of life. It's not a bad thing. Again, it's back to the tricycle. It's the experience, tradition, as we read the scriptures. But as we draw closer to the person and the heart of God, things should change in our lives. We should not stay the same. As this vision statement is brought to us, it should change us. We shouldn't be the same community of faith after going through this process than we were when we started this process or even before that process. Otherwise, why are we wasting our time? And we should want that to pour over us and move us and change us into who God wants us to be. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So there's something deep in there. We're literally crucifying ourselves. We're dying to self and entering into what does God have for me? I want to live for the Lord. So how you see is what you see. The filters you carry the relationships you have, what's been poured into you, again, you bring this into the scriptures and we need to just, all I'm inviting us to do is to be aware of it. And then to, to be and to critically think of maybe some things need to change how I view this or that. And that's okay. That's a good thing. Change is not bad. Uh, last three questions before we dive into community in our groups together. Number one, what are your filters? Are you aware of them? Number two, what are your biases? 
What do you bring into the table? What do you read into the scriptures? And what tradition do you hold on to that you're not even aware of that affects how you see and interpret the text? Right? We can spend the entire night on that in your tables if you wanted to. It'd probably be quite an enlightening exercise. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to dive into this first word, community. And at your tables, there's a white piece of paper. If you want to grab somebody to be a writer or, or two writers, there's multiple pens. And I want you to talk about this. What does it mean? What does community mean? But specifically, what does the community mean based on the Word of God? Not just what you think, not just what your tradition tells you, not just what your experiences are, but again, it's okay to share your experience. It's okay to have tradition. Those aren't bad things. But again, like the tricycle, we need to be aware of those things. And, and hopefully as you have conversation, this is why God places us in community with one another so that we can grow together and we can challenge each other and, and iron that sharpens iron as we journey through this. So in your table groups, I'm going to give you a good decent amount of time, 15 or so minutes. I'll, I'll listen to kind of the murmur of the talking and when that starts to die down. And then we're going to debrief what you guys shared together. And we're just going to kind of take some notes on that. And uh, we're going to see where that takes us. And then after that, um, uh, Tiffany's going to come up and just share briefly on from a vision. She's on the vision team, and she's going to share what did the vision team mean and why did they choose the word community to put in our vision statement. And then we're going to dive back in in regards to discipleship after that's done and do the same thing in our table groups. And we're going to see how much time we have left. My guess is we probably won't get past discipleship, and then we're going to just spend some time in prayer in our groups together, praying for those two things, community at Washington Church and discipleship at Washington Church. So go ahead and jump in. Just kind of wrap up what you guys are saying. And uh, what we're going to do is debrief just for a moment. I'm going to give you a chance to share some of the things that came up at your tables. Hopefully you'll start to see or start to hear uh, similarities that go back and forth. We're going to have, because we are on uh, Facebook Live, we want to use mics so that those who are at home can hear. So we have two mics. Uh, Pat and Lauren are going to walk around with, um, and we'll go back and forth from one side of the room to the other. But if, if you do share, please hold the mic up to your, to your face and so we can all hear you and those at home can hear. So just kind of raise your hand, and, and we'll go around. We want to give every, each table a chance to share. What are some things that you notice when it comes to community and what you see in the Scriptures? Um, we had unity for all believers, a dwelling place of God, um, providing for one another, focus on praise and worship, devoted to prayer, filled with the boldness to speak, to speak the word of God, um, testify to the resurrection of Jesus, or share their own experience, yeah. um, signs, wonders, and healing. Um, like the power of God was on display. Yeah, good. What did you mean by unity? What did your table mean by that word, unity? Like living together, working together, caring for one another, okay. of one mind. and Of one mind, okay. Yeah. Good. Very specifically, you mean like the Jews and the Gentiles, and so you... Jews and Gentiles coming in as one body, so there's two massively different cultures with religious backgrounds coming together and unifying under uh, their belief in Jesus. Yeah. Good, Mitch. Thanks for that clarification. Okay, another group. What else did you guys have? Go me. Um, we, 
We spoke a lot about, actually we just kind of got stuck on the first one, but we spoke about coming together in shalom. And I was talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and different people and different whatever. Um, that th The word peace kept repeating, right? But Shannon had brought up it. It's not necessarily peace as in lack of conflict, but peace as in just like a bringing back of like shalom is bringing things back to the way God intended them to be, right? So it doesn't mean there's no conflict. Bringing people together, there should be conflict. We're all different, right? Unity doesn't mean we all think the same and act the same and yeah. and do all the same things. That that's not what God wants. He made us uniquely us for a purpose. So the coming together is bringing all of those differences together under one uh, under one reason and that's that's because of Jesus and the shalom is the intention of of bringing things back together. So and expounding on what Natalie said. But we had, I mean, what Mitch said, I was like, ooh, that's that's what we said. He stole ours. And then Ash was like, well, that's good. It's good. That means we're all on the same page. <laughs> but, it's, but that we mean similarity and some of that thinking is, is what we were, you know, the, the difference is bringing, bringing that together. Good, yeah. I think we've talked about this a couple times here that, you know, unity doesn't mean uniformity. doesn't mean exactly the same. We all think the same, act the same. That would be boring. Um, so, but any healthy community can deal with, different perspectives and have conversation and not freak out in, in a way. That's a sign of a healthy church, I would say, a healthy community. Good. What else? Other tables? Uh, a couple things that we, I, that we had. Um, it may seem overly simplistic, but Community means that you can't be alone. You, you need to be with other people. Um, it's taking care of each other. Um, people are of one heart and mind in their priorities. Um, it's a place of sacrifice and generosity yeah. and filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, there's also humility in there. And thinking of others above yourself. Good. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, humility came up at the table that I sat out to several times over and over again. The humility, humility, humility. There's something about a healthy community that can, you know, we all come together and we all have ideas of how we think, th think things should be and how they should go. And when they don't go the way that, we, wh that you want them to go, in my mind, that's where we see maturity come out. Yeah, because if you can say, okay, I understand this is not exactly what I would like, but this is the direction that, that my community is going, and so I, I'm, I am in oneness around, like-mindedness around my community, um, rather than, nope, I'm staying here, or I'm leaving, because they're not doing it the way I, I want it to be done. Uh, and that is all too common, unfortunately, in, in our culture today. Okay, who else? This table back here, this table right here, we got lots more tables. To go. <clears throat> I can hit buttons too. Okay. <laughs> Just looking at the um, Ephesians 2 passage, um, it was really interesting to us to think about how hostile these two groups like used to be mm. um, from each other. So whether that's like, you know, Saul turning to Paul and once being a Pharisee, I mean, there's 
that's such a picture of hostility. So one of the quotes from our table is that community includes people beyond our conceivable borders. Mm. And just to make things really interesting, the question was asked at our table, um, if a beggar walked in on a Sunday morning, what would we do? Did you have an answer? It was rhetorical. Okay. <laughs> Good. How about over here, over here? Okay. Go ahead. This table is going. So we uh, used all of our filters enough that I don't think we even followed the directions properly. Um, so nice. we started out trying to define community on our own without reading the text, I think, but uh, we did okay, I think. But we started out with uh, fellowship and people having common interests was one of the first things mentioned. Um, we then mentions about different people groups and inclusion or uh, uh, common interests. Um, and then talking about community, whether or not your community just included your circle of family, friends, neighbors, and your church. Um, and then whether or not it included people you haven't even tried to agree with. Um, and or tried to understand, um, and then moved from, from all of that to being a place that's united around Jesus hmm. and having access to the Holy Spirit, um, and Jesus being an example of how to live, Jesus including everyone, and the new humanity mentioned in the text being God's original intent restored. Yeah. Uh, humility and inclusion also mentioned, and then... Uh, worked our way around also to that community being broken down by focusing on the differences instead of the one unifying thing. So did you eventually get to the scriptures, Scott? Or did you? It was it was in there a little bit in the middle with the, yeah. the, sounds new, like, the new sounds humanity, like you did. bringing the two groups together, the new yeah. humanity and yeah. you know God's original intent. Yeah, how, how many of you guys launched right into what you thought community was like and started talking about that when you, when you in your groups? Don't be shy. Raise your hands. Yeah, Let's be honest with you. Yeah, part of it might have been a lack of clarity and directions. I'm willing to take that on. Okay, some of these tables over here. Now, there we go. Uh, we talked about Christian community and how it should push people closer to Christ um, and deeper into relationship. And a lot of that comes from being open being vulnerable, like be willing to participate. Um, it can be so easy to just have surface level relationships and community, like either the Browns up there and the Buckeyes up there, like talk about the game, talk about this, talk about anything, but like Jesus, um, when that should be like the main thing we're talking about, like what's Jesus doing in your life right now? Like what's God doing um, for you? And we said like, you know, you need to, I think you need to come together and see each other's different backgrounds and biases. I think it can be easy to shy away from them, but you kind of have to lean into them because you probably don't even know that they're there. Uh, I grew up in like a small town in Ohio, and I said it wasn't until I got to college that I was like, oh, I didn't even think I thought this certain way about race, religion, and things, but I clearly did based on how I was brought up. So, um, And we also talked about just like how it should be the church community should really be fed by Scripture um, and just digging into what that means to you. For sure.
I should have used the force. So something we pulled out of the Ephesians verse that we think is really critical is that this community is a new creation out of the two hostile groups. And that new community, one of its primary functions or defining characteristics is that it has access to the Father by the Spirit. Yeah. Good. Very good. You guys, one more? Everybody else seems to be shy. Um, a lot of what we have on here is, has already been said um, because we're last. But uh, we, we thought that community is a coming together of like-minded people for, for kind of a common goal, so to speak. Uh, we believe, at least in this community, we believe in the Trinity. Where we believe that the community is taking care of one another mm. and valuing other people above ourselves. So if you want something that I don't want, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to you because you're more important than I am in, in this situation. And, um, and that we need to humble ourselves. Mm. Yeah, good. Back there, last table. Is it on? Um, one thing that hasn't been said that we... Uh, talked about was uh, just the the idea of one body, that what happens to me happens to you in a way, and what happens to you happens to me, that we're that interconnected, um, and that community is a balance of inter independence and dependence. That was important at our table, that um, that has to be held in balance. Um, we're not so independent that we're isolated, but we're not codependent and mm. Un the uniformity type piece, I think. Yeah. Um, so. Good. Okay. Um, Tiffany's going to come up from our vision team, so we need a mic up here, please. And she's just going to share briefly um, why the vision team chose this word community and where that came from. Here I am, stepping in my comfort zone again. Yay me! <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so thinking back to all of the hours we spent um, specifically in this room, um, the night that we were putting the vision statement up on the screens and um, going word by word by word, um, we had a draft and um, then we were going around to each person saying, okay, what do we need? What do we not need? And I think I was probably one of the last ones. And um, Kelly said, well, you know she's just going to say community, right? <laughs> and I was like, community? We need community in our vision statement. And um, some of the most important parts that we... Um, I guess the definition of that word that we um, went through and looked at are um, that it's found in the images of the orchard uh, with the di diversity of the trees um, necessary for the health of not only one another but also the soil and um, the table where everyone brings their gifts and everyone is welcome and um, in Hebrews 12 um, 
the cloud of witnesses and everyone is needed and included, um, believing the best in our family and not just, you know, our, this is our, the family of believers, um, trusting one another and allowing, giving each other grace and allowing for room to try and to fail, um, encouraging and holding one another accountable and having a, a buy-in as a collective whole. And um, one of the things that keeps coming back to me is um, Christ died for us. And like the one passage said, where two or three are gathered in my name, um, we are not meant to do life alone. And God created, like Shannon said, every one of us for a reason and for one another. Mm. Um, So that is the community piece. Um, I mean, I could go on and on, and I have my whole notebook here. Um, But those were the most important pieces that we discussed and thought was, you know, why we needed that community piece in our statement. Thanks, Tiffany. Okay, I want to invite you to go back uh, into your tables and your groups. Now we're going to talk about discipleship. So flip the page um, in the, of the scripture passages. If you, if you need more space, you can flip the uh, page on, on your table over and use that. If you need another piece of paper, let us know. We'll get you one. But I'm going to give you about 15 minutes to talk about the word discipleship. What does that mean from God's word? What does that look like? And then we're going to uh, debrief. Okay, we got to... Uh, we want to try and do our best to respect the 8 o'clock, kind of get out of here. So we need to cut that short, unfortunately, um, which is not long enough. Um, at least at our table, we were, we were humming and saying brilliant things. So we're going to uh, give a chance for some of the tables just to, to share. So if Pat and Lauren could be on the mics and be moving around, multitasking Lauren. Or Pat could do both. Okay, so we'll start at the, we'll start where we ended. How about that? And go backwards. Okay, so for our table, um, the meaning of discipleship for us was um, it came from within, and Others will know when you are a disciple. You will give off this energy Mm. that you are a disciple by showing your love and compassion and your faith. And um, it's freeing. Being a disciple is freeing. Mm. Yeah. And Mark, do you mean like when it came within, you mean like desire, the passion rose up to to want to be a disciple? Yes. Good. All right. How about this side? Somebody over here. What'd you guys have? Okay. We said um, the whole idea of being chosen, that you have to know that you are personally chosen, Mm. that there's an individual invitation, a personal invitation. And we thought that the whole idea circled back to the idea of community, especially with loving one another. And we talked about that there is this idea of sacrifice and surrender that comes with being a disciple and that you just can't get past that. We talked about um, abiding in the vine and and knowing um, what God is 
said and the time commitment that's involved with that. And then the idea of discernment and understanding there. And then we talked about taking up your cross and how that's not a one-time thing, mm. but that's saying yes to all of these things pretty consistently. Yeah, good. Good, good. Okay, how about over here? Who's next? Jump in, people. Kate, all right, let's hear it. Um, well, when I read these scriptures about being a disciple, I see we've talked a lot about how we see, you know, deny yourself um, and then love one another, love one another, love one another. Um, you know, I think deny yourself is in here twice and, you know, hate your own, hate your life, hate your mother, father, wife, children, brother, you know, like you, if you don't love them, I don't know, I'm, that's a hard one to reconcile, but um, I think, you know, the scripture in the Psalms or maybe you know where it is, but it says the joy of the Lord is your strength. And then Jesus tells the woman at the well, like, if you believe in me, rivers of living water will flow through you. So it's like the only way we can really do what he's telling us to do is if we have this living water, this bread of life, this internal joy that enables us to live in a supernatural way to deny ourselves. To because, And there's been a lot of missionaries over the years that tell their stories and they talk, you know, not all, you know, a lot of them have crazy go for through excruciating pain in different ways but um a lot of people talk about like oh but this sacrifice wasn't didn't feel like a sacrifice it felt like a joy it felt like you know and I think we have to pray for that and get to that in order to live this life live as a disciple good the way you started Kate it sounded terrible it sounded super discouraging I don't think anybody would want to sign up for that and then it got better as you went Yeah. Okay, Corey. Um, Nicole brought up a really good point in our group that a lot of these are conditional statements and that the point isn't to be a disciple. Um, but in fact, discipleship leads to uh, communing with God. And so it's not, you know, even in this first, this John 8 passage, if you hold to my teaching, you are my disciple, then you will be set free, right? So the point isn't just to be a disciple, but it's freedom and communi communing with God. Good. Thank you, Nicole, for sharing that. Who else? Have you guys gone over here? So to coin the uh, phrase that a lot of the kids used today, we're all in. Huh. God is number one, Yeah. and we're not. Yeah. Um, if you ever go to camp store, they say, God is number one, other people are number two, and I'm number three. Yeah. And so you've got to keep that all in, in order. Danny, Danny Goki has a song out, Love God and Love People. So listen to read the lyrics to that, and it, it ties into this. And again, it gets back to all denying yourself and dying to yourself and just following what Christ has for you 
and living into that and, and loving other people as, as Christ loves us, which I think is harder than a lot of us want to admit. Yeah. Because it's real easy to love people who are lovely and lovable, but it's a little less easy to love the beggar that just walked in off the street. And I'm not pointing to you. <laughs> I was pointing to the door, but I have a frozen shoulder, so I can't point all the way to the door. I wasn't pointing to you. That's pretty darn funny, though. <laughs> it's enough of you, Patty. <laughs> so anyway, that's it. off the street and yeah I think we're all the beggar off the street actually back table um, I, I mean thankfully we have a lot of the same things that people have written down right I mean um, denying yourself leaving yourself giving all I mean one of the things that I brought up is exactly what Patty just said I'm like can imagine I mean being a disciple of Jesus is wanting nothing more than to be like your discipler. Like, that is all you want. Imagine being able to give up anything and everything because you yeah. want that so bad. Not many of us can say that we can do that or mm -hmm. that that's an easy road. And I think it's through supernatural, like, the Holy Spirit and the grace of God that we can even begin to do that. Yep. And that's really hard. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. Um, but all in with something. And I love the idea of freedom. I wouldn't think of it that way but there is freedom in that that's going to be a beautiful way for me to think about it from now on because it's I see it as being really hard this is a really hard road and it is but I don't want to see it as hard I want to see all the I mean I, I want to get to a point of, of all the other things but it's because denying yourself is against everything we naturally want to do <laughs> and so mm -hmm. it's not a one and done whoever said that it's a continual process um so we had a lot of the other things that you guys talked about, but just, I guess, emphasizing some of the, it's, it's not an easy road, but yeah. this is why we are in community as well, yeah. right? We're not walking yep. this alone. Yeah, community should help us become disciples. No, that's good. And I think go, going back to what you said, Patty, as you were mentioning all those different things, I was, I was picturing all those filter words that we'd written down before just disappearing, right? If we're dying to ourselves and all of a sudden those things are going away because they're, they're no longer the core lens through which we see things. We begin to see things the way Jesus saw things and wants us to see things, and that just shifts everything. Good. Okay. Um, we are going to, I'm going to invite Scott and Pat up to here uh, to share as, as two members of the disciple, not discipleship, vision team, um, two disciples of Jesus who happen to be on the vision team, and they're going to share about why we, why the vision team chose that word discipleship and put that intentionally into our vision statement. And then Kelly's going to uh, pray for us, close this in prayer. All right, um, Scott's put me on the spot. I'm sitting in the cool chair. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, first of all, this is just super, I say this every time we get together, but it's so cool to get together, being a part of the vision team, and having you be a part of it, too. Like, this is, we're just like, yes, finally, this is so cool, this is exactly what we wanted to do. Um, so thank you for being here and just giving your experience, your insight um, something our table talked about with the community piece was just how 
valuable different backgrounds and thoughts and filters are, especially if you can come with them and say, here's what I think and here's why, let's talk about that. Or let's, you know, let's be vulnerable together. I think that was something that came up in the, even the discipleship talk and was something we talked about over and over again as a vision team was the idea of vulner- vulnerability. Um, how you can't have real relationship without it. Um, you can't have real change and real real desire comes from vulnerability. Um, like Mark said, like it's like it's something that comes up from inside of you and it's going to require you to step into a space of trusting God. One of the, um, I had to share the images with our friends that didn't, weren't here for all the images. And like just that idea of the cliff, like just simply having a tough, vulnerable conversation, whether it's you asking for prayer or feeling like God is asking you to go for prayer or, or go pray for somebody, like that's vulnerable. Like that takes so much vulnerability to go up and say, man, oh my gosh, I need, I need to be encouraged in this way. Um, or to say, hey, I feel like God wants me to say this to you, that's vulnerable too. Um, but just like what a crucial piece to discipleship. God, Jesus was so vulnerable with, with the people that he was with. Um, I mean, he, he cried, he wept, he, he mourned, he um, did life. He, he didn't just let them see him when he was put together and giving a cool talk. You know, he, he hung out with them by the fire and made food and um, so just that vulnerable side of things I thought was really a big piece and and was shared numerous times indeed so I feel like So if you've never received a hug from Pat, the homeless, the homeless guy, the homeless guy <laughs> Pat, the homeless guy is a professional, and it's good, it's good for your soul. Um, so the, the journey we went on as a group, uh, as I've reflected on this, to me is, is very much disciple-like, and the community that we had uh, as a group, which was why I... I guess I kind of chose to want to be able to talk about discipleship and the group that we had together. Um, because the many of the things that Pat mentioned, <laughs> they walked me through. Um, and I'm grateful for that. Thanks. Love you all. And it's... Uh, the grace of all these people and the grace of Jesus um, that that got us through all this and brought all this these things to us. Uh, we didn't do it. God did. The Holy Spirit did. Jesus did. And and uh, I've mentioned it. Uh, the vision group, uh, the discipleship group that I was part of, uh, the small groups that I've been in. Without all of those disciple-like journey experiences. Um, That part of the community that I've been part of and have been blessed to be a part of. uh, 
I don't know how I could have gotten through or will continue to get through the journey that we are all on together. Okay? So, glory to God. Amen. swollen. <laughs> um, Kelly's going to pray for us. We uh, wrap up tonight. A um, couple logistical things. On Sunday, we start uh, kind of part two, um, diving into this second piece on discipleship. So we're going to start doing, uh, we're going to start preaching on discipleship. What does that look like? How does that work? And this all ties together. A big part of this, we had a conversation with the elders on Sunday, or no, excuse me, Saturday. Um, and we met together, and one of the, the elders said, said this really insightful thing. He just said, I'm so glad we're going through this process now that we have this vision and we're having these gatherings and we're preaching through it. And he said, this gives all of us, not just the elders, but all of us as people, time to integrate it into ourselves. And rather than just, so for me, I, I thought we'd have the vision and then we just go. Here, we, here it is, let's go. But like anything worthwhile, we we need to let that plant within us, going back to the orchard image, and then sprout the seed and and come through the soil. And it's, you know, it's that death and resurrection motif. And so all of this belongs. So we'll be back here again um, on December 1st. It's a Wednesday night. Um, I'd encourage you, you all to come back. If there's other people, encourage them to come back as well. And we're going to basically pick up this process where we left off. We're going to move into the next part of the vision statement that talks about um, embodying and then getting into the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about those things, um, and we're just going to keep going. And, and we'll get as far as we can get, and then we'll pick it up again. But we, we want to take our time with this, and we, we want to let it form us into who God wants us to be. And then we will rise from that place and then begin to, to move in, into action. And that, So that'll, that'll come, but that action will also almost organically come out of us as we go as well. So we don't need to, to worry about rushing to, well, what do we do next? And what, do, what does this mean? And how do we act on this? That will come. Just as the vision statement came um, from, from the Lord that we believe, we also believe that, that the, the direction will come from that way too. Um, so after Kelly prays this out, uh, if you have little kiddos, please go grab your kids. Um, and then if you don't have little kids and you have time to stick around and help us um, put things away, we're gonna stack the chairs we're going to take the tables downstairs, and we're going to move the pews back. Um, otherwise, people will show up on Sunday and wonder what happened. And if you want f some of the food over there, it's all fair game. Is that what you're saying? Okay. So the youth group doesn't need it, so you can take it home. All right. Oh, okay. Because y'all are going to be looking at me while I pray. No, thanks. Okay. <laughs> Let's pray. Papa God, you are good. And you are worthy of all of our time given here tonight and given in every simple, mundane act of our daily lives. Um, we come because 
we desire as a community to offer ourselves more fully to you, um, to be your people, to be built up in the way that you desire us to be, like every brick on the wall that you would be um, sealing us with your spirit and and building us up together into um, the way that you've ordained and you've planned. And so I thank you for every single um, spiritual brick that is in this room tonight. Um, I, I pray your blessing over each of them that they would come fully into their identity as a beloved son and daughter of God, as a co-worker and a co-laborer in the gospel of the kingdom, um, that they would know that they have inherent value being made in your image and that they are specifically gifted in the Holy Spirit with things that that are necessary for the whole building to be built up together. And I pray for all that same blessing over the spiritual bricks that are not in this room with us tonight, that they would be feeling your grace and your favor, that, that you would be fortifying them in their identity. And I ask as we go into our weeks that you would bring these scriptures forward um, in our daily lives, that, that they would become a part of who we are, um, that we would be able to to live in and out of uh, your call to be your disciple, that we would be able to look at the cost, which at first <laughs> sounds really grating to our flesh, um, but in the end is is freeing and is liberty. And I ask that you would prepare a people for yourselves who are willing to be living sacrifices, who are willing to lay down everything to see your kingdom come and your will be done above their own will and above their own kingdoms being built. We know that you have greater things for us, God, greater things in Jesus' name. And so we are asking that you would come and do those greater things in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at washingtonchurch.org or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.